FXXX presents It's Always Empty in Gola Arena. The gang learns about the LaSalle system. Hey there, OnlyFans guys. I got something to sell you right here. I have created the LaSalle system for how you guys can destroy the Atlantic 10. What do you think about this? All right, let's hear it. Okay, so this the first step to any Atlantic 10 conquest. L, lose non-conference games. You don't want to have a good non-conference resident. You want to lose to teams like Drexel or Army or Navy or whoever. Crash that net. <laughs> exactly, crash the net. But then, when you get to conference play... A, annihilate Fordham. You have to absolutely destroy Fordham by like 40 points and show everybody that you're a really good team that people have been sleeping on. Not hard to do. And that leads to S, surprising upset. Richmond, Dayton, St. Louis, whichever one you want to talk about, surprising upset right there. And that concludes with A, at-large bid destruction. You want to destroy somebody's at-large bid hopes like Dayton. They have no hope now because they lost to you guys. Then, L, lose to Fordham. You have to lose to Fordham when you play them the second time after winning by 40. And people are like, what the hell is going on with this LaSalle team? (laughs) And then the third L, landmine the number one team. you got to destroy the number one team and just completely shock the conference. I don't like Before you get to E, 8C to A10s. (laughs) And that is how you successfully neg the rest of the conference. (laughs) <laughs> I like the formula. I wish we weren't, you know, so uncertain about this game coming up, but I could see that coming true. I could totally see it coming true. I love the system. No land mines. No land mines. No, no land mines. No land mines. No trap games. No trap games. No trap games. No trap games. SB Unfurled and Friends, episode 23. Let's do this. Welcome everyone to episode 23 of SB Unfurled and Friends, the Jordan episode for us, actually the Chris Johnson episode if you want to think about it like that, and they'll come batch too, right? <laughs> Will Von X here with SB Unfurled. I was hoping that Saturday would be our coronation as unofficial A-10 champs. I yeah. thought if we beat St. Louis at St. Louis, it would take a damn near apocalypse for us to... Right lose but we lost to st louis it was a tough game i think we had some weaknesses exposed that we kind of ignored for a little bit yeah saw some reasons for optimism but what did you overall take away from it like you said i mean it would have been a great win it would have been it put us just a total stranglehold on the conference um 
but it wasn't a bad loss at all. Like it, it wasn't even a loss that the committee will hold against us. Uh, you know, it, it'll end up being a Q1 loss for sure. Um, and I mean, I do think there are some some things that concern me, whether it was the perimeter defense going back to, you know, giving up wide open threes that in a second half against Fordham or against some of these other teams like Duquesne, they just, they couldn't hit. And now that we are playing against uh, Javante Perkins or a Gibson Jimerson type, a little bit exposed. Um, And I I did say it, and I, I think you agree, you know, they were giving the ball down low to French and Oshun was playing phenomenal, by the way, like yeah. his defense down low was defensively. I should say French didn't score. He's playing oceans playing phenomenal. Um, St. Louis is feeding the post to French and our guys like Welch are going down to double team and collapse on French. And that's leaving their perimeter shooters wide open. And I thought that was really the difference in the game because Perkins just went bananas in the second half um, yeah. and kind of got us into a hole that we couldn't dig out of. So, I mean, it was just a missed opportunity. It's not going to be a terrible loss. We just have to get, you know, refocus, uh, get back to the Riley center and take care of business. I think that hedging on the double, sc- double team down low, that is something that we kind of got away with earlier on in the season against some of these worst teams leaving open shooters because that's part of the risk is trying to, you know, force French into a bad pass across the passing lanes and that can work, but it was apparent earlier in the second half that we could not get away with that any longer. Javante Perkins kept getting open from three and between that and the switching into zone also left Jimerson and and other shooters open in the corner. So I think that is something that Schmidt was trying out. Maybe it's something that we do against other teams and get away with. But I think when it comes to St. Louis, if and when, hopefully when we play them again in the Riley Center, I don't think hopefully. we're going to see that again. Yeah. I don't think that's that's the typical strategy. You'll see that against LaSalle and probably against VCU again, since we did force VCU into a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you'll see the the hedging of the screen or hedging of the uh, ball handler down low. Yeah, I mean, we were just a step late on the perimeter. Oh, like I said, I'll say it again. Oshun, it was one of his best defensive performances since he's been here. Um, but, you know, a strength that we had going into this game was our perimeter defense. We were like top 15 in the country in three-point defense. And I don't know if it was because we were, you know, a little bit tired or it we just didn't rotate fast enough. But we were you know, just giving up too many open threes. Um, and, you know, another thing I would add is our guys looked absolutely gassed in the second yes. half. There was a stretch from the under 16, uh, probably around 15 minutes or so, and it went all the way down to around nine minutes left. And there wasn't a timeout in that entire seven-minute stretch. And after <laughs> – like Oshun had his hands on his knees. And the, I mean, our guys were just like, seemed like they were gasping for air. St. Louis was even tired, just a huge seven minute stretch with no whistle. Um, and then we just didn't have our legs under us. Like all of our starters were in for that stretch. And then for the last nine, eight, nine minutes, um, our guys are just, it, they were just too tired. It looked like, um, so, you know, hopefully we can get a little more out of our bench against teams like LaSalle, Hopefully we can pat, get a little bit of a lead and guys like Shaw and Creel and Vasquez can come in and, and spell these guys a little bit. Yeah, I think another issue that we've talked about before was that bench, like you mentioned, and it finally got exploited. That was the first time I've seen us this season look gassed, like you said, at the end yeah. of the game, just completely gassed. 
And you got to question Schmidt not calling a timeout in that stretch that you were talking about. Because if you're going to play your starters 35, 40 minutes, I get that. That's cool. But then you also need to be able to sprinkle in timeouts, maybe not even necessarily those momentum killing timeouts, just something to give them a break in like the 12 minute mark or so. There's a little stretch between, I think it was that it was that under 12 media timeout that went all the way down to nine minutes. And I said, this is a perfect time to get Oshun out for a minute or two until the under eight. It'll only be a minute and a half or so of game time. But in real time, it would have been like a 10-minute rest. And Oshun stayed in, and that was the stretch where that Linson took over. Especially because French was out, I thought maybe Shaw could come in against their backup big. But Oshun stayed in, and he, you know, Linson, for better or worse, I mean, there might have been a couple push-offs that weren't called but you know that was, was one. That <laughs> there was, was definitely one offensive yeah, foul that did that, not get called <laughs> that was kind of like a game-changing stretch there that i thought maybe could have been avoided and given oshun a little um a little breathing time to get his legs under him for the the last eight minutes i think we really got a deep go dive into the bench against lasalle not saying that we should take them for granted but i think if you're going to get ready to travel to vcu which is going to be almost as tough of a game as the St. Louis game was. You're going to have to get some minutes for these guys that didn't play much. I mean, Eddie Creel finally came in at the very tail end of the game. Alejandro probably wouldn't have played much if it weren't for Holmes getting into foul trouble. I think think the LaSalle game has to be a time when we can use our bench because if our bench can't handle LaSalle, we're in big trouble. Yeah, I know. And LaSalle, I mean, there's no reason guys like Vasquez and Creel can't come in and give these guys some minutes against LaSalle. Like one of their guys coming off the bench, Anwar Gill, is a guy we recruited and I probably said, Hey, sorry, but you know, you're you're just not good enough to to come make this team the way it's it's constructed right now. So if a guy like that comes in and we can't go to our bench for five minutes, then I don't know. Like that's that's an issue that can come back to bite us in the ass against a team like VCU, which plays a very up tempo, um, turn you over, press all game. Like you know, it's it's very very worrisome against teams like like uh, VCU. I will say the one positive that I'm really taking away from this game: Jalen Attaway appears to be finally developing a three point shot. He was pretty good from three at Miami, Ohio. I forgot his exact percentage, but he. Was, he was a fairly good shooter from Ohio, from Miami, Ohio, but he hadn't really, whether it was the offense, whether it was role in the plays or whatnot, mm-hmm. he hadn't really gotten a chance to, to shoot much. Right. He's now two for six on the season because he shot three threes. He went two <laughs> for three against St. Louis. And if we have a stretch four that can also slash like Attaway, that's going to really help us on offense because... As we saw, we have we we have stretches where it's just it's yeah. very tough for us to get any kind of offense. And if we can have Attaway hitting from three, that's that's another huge weapon. Yeah, and Attaway had one of the best effective field goal percentages in the entire country through like five or six games. He was so good, you know, around the rim in the middle of that zone. Um, and it was weird because Saturday he was only one of six from two. And he was two of three from three. So that really wasn't the game that we've seen from him, um, for better or worse. I mean, I, I love that he's hitting threes, but you know, LaSalle might get down into a two three zone. And if they do, we're gonna need Adaway to get in the middle of that zone, like like we saw against, you know, Hofstra and he he did well in the middle of the zone against I, I think it might have been St. Joe's. 
Um, so it might be a similar situation where we need him. Uh, but if, yeah, if he can add a little more confidence and he can hit a three a game, that's, you know, that, that makes us all the more dangerous. Exactly. And it's, it's going to be necessary if Lofton keeps shooting 9% from three, that's, yeah, it's troubling, man. Yeah. 9% from three. I, I, I don't know if it's because he's being asked to do too much in the offense or whatnot. Maybe it is tired or fatigue, yeah. but he can't, he's got to be able to hit more. And he's so good just one step in. It's like if right. he's one step in, I'm like, that's not even going to hit the rim. That's it, His mid-range jumper is one of the best I've seen. Um, but, yeah, that extra step or two back, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if it's just tough creating his own shot when he's running the point 40 minutes. You know, he's not off the ball very much like a Welch or home. So that might that might be be the reason. But I do think when we do have a game finally where – Welch and Holmes and maybe even Lofton are all hitting. We I don't think we've had one yet where they're all hitting from three. Um, if we can just have one of those games with our defense, it's it's going to be a blowout. No, that's true. So we have our second round, our second and final round of the Schmitty Awards to get to. You all have been voting already, especially in the A10 fan category for last year. This is part two, and we have three categories for you all. The voting will be continuing on SBUnfurl.com. We'll wrap it up on Sunday, and then next week we will announce all six winners of the Schmitty Awards. I am pumped for these. I don't even know which category I'm most excited for. We've had so many good guests on in just our last year. But beyond that, I feel like we've just, you know, your cold opens are phenomenal. And then, you know, the the funny Rostings and Schmitz and then the A10 fans that we've had have been good. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how these votes turn out. I have not voted because I don't even know in some of these, like, who to vote for. We had such a good time with, like, Woj, but then we had Andrew Nicholson on, and he was so open and honest, and that was just a cool interview, too. So, I mean, this is this is going to be tough. It is, but let's go ahead and check out the first category. And now, the Schmitty nominees for Best Fake John Rothstein. Episode 3, Rothstein's Valentine's Day Tips. Ladies, make sure your man isn't like DJ Khaled. He's got to stay humble and stay hungry. Have him try a little box and tongue. I mean box and one action. Maybe if you're lucky, she'll be like Steve Peichel and pounding your nail. Episode 4, Rothstein sells his t-shirts. My more with less tweets, I, I really don't mean to offend anybody, really. Uh, my main priority when I write those tweets is uh, to sell some t-shirts. We don't have a t-shirt of us. Yeah, those Mark th- those Mark Schmidt more or less t-shirts they've sold me, uh, I've sold a lot of t-shirts. And uh, let me tell you, each t-shirt I get, I get to have a better meal. Oh, what a grifter. Episode 12, Rothstein escapes a haunted house. Ed Cooley, Ed Cooley, the American dream. Ed Cooley, the American dream. Red Guard Silent Assassin! <laughs> Episode 14, Rothstein breaks into CNN. You wonder if North Carolina... Key race alert! Best performance of Jonah Hill's career, and it may not even be close. A lot of red in Ohio. No Republican has won the president. Key race alert! John Rothstein is projecting St. Mary's will host Texas Southern as part of its 2020-2021 non-conference schedule. This is the presidential election, Rothstein. We had to have 
John Rothstein have his own category, just like Schmidt. There was just so yeah. much of Rothstein. There's so much content that that you know, Twitter herb machine guy uses <laughs> and gives us. We had to give him his uh, his little more with less com- uh, more with less category. He's so easy to parody and just you know goof on. You know, he I don't. I still don't know if he's serious about it or if it's kind of like an Andy Kaufman style. I, I just, I can't get a read on him if this is like a bit or if he, this is actually him in real life. I really He owns like it. He, he owns yeah, how he cheesy he is because yeah. he tweeted out the the picture of Hannibal Lecter. He t- every time an A-10 team loses that probably shouldn't have lost or whatever, like when yeah. LaSalle beats Richmond, he tweets the A-10 is cannibalizing itself. Because that never happens. That never happens in P5 conferences. <laughs> right, exactly. But he did that for LaSalle beating or Fordham beating LaSalle on Saturday. And I'm like, oh, Ugh. so the number 11 yeah. team lost to the number 13 team or whatever it is. Like, come on, that's a joke. You got to be kidding me. But then, it, like, behind the scenes, though, he texts coaches, like, at, before every single game, just saying, good luck tonight, coach. And then, even if he doesn't get a response, it's like 30 straight messages from John Rossi. Good luck tonight, coach. Good luck tonight, coach. Good luck tonight, coach. So, I mean, he's, I don't know, like, I, I don't know what his deal is, but I mean, there's a lot of great parodies. The CNN one was so funny because it was just one of those that was very timely. Um, and during all these big events, he just tweets, you know, some Juco transfer <laughs> committing to, vmi or wherever the hell uh so i that was that was maybe my favorite one yeah but let's go ahead and let's check out the next one and now the schmitty nominees for best guest episode three matt matucci dear tooch i wrote i wrote you but you still ain't calling i left my name and my i left my name and my number at the bottom I sent some messages back in autumn. You must have never gotten it. Episode four, Adrian Wojnarowski. The Burton, uh, you know, the other place at Club 17, you know, that's the strip in Allegheny, you know? <laughs> I mean, I always tell people, like, if you can figure out, like, people are worried about their careers and, like, what's ahead of them after Bonaventure. Venture. If you can figure out how to get from the strip in Allegheny, you know, back to Francis or back to Deb, like, you're going to be fine your career you really are like that, 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 that like that that's a tough enough task episode 11 oshun oshuni and i'm watching it and i'm like yo like this is actually like like cool like i, I play 2k a lot so seeing like kind of myself in a video game was kind of fun so when i saw that you guys were doing it again i was like oh i definitely have to watch this and my, <laughs> my brother i got like i was really like telling everybody like yo like tune in on youtube they're streaming the 810 tournament da, 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 da. My sisters were there, my brother was there. Everyone, everyone was just like having a good time and just laughing about it. Episode 12, Joe Lenati. We're really even because the last time I golfed with Schmitty, I won. Oh, there you go. <laughs> also, you've got you've gone golfing with Mark Schmidt? I have, in fact. Any good golf stories? Any any golf stories that you're able to share on air? <laughs> Uh, we both like to have a good time. We'll leave it at that. Episode 13, Jalen Attaway. I was trick-or-treating with one of my friends, and we went to this one house, and there was, like, a chainsaw guy. And I knew he was there, and, like, so we, you know, we walked through the little maze to go get our treats, and, like, right behind this big curtain was the dude with the chainsaw, and I was terrified, and I tried to go back <laughs> out the entrance, and, like, they were all telling me, like, no, you can't, you can't. And so I eventually just sprinted back through the entrance and like the chainsaw guy literally chased me for about a block and it was so terrifying. (laughs) 
Episode 15, Andrew Nicholson. And Schmidt was trying to call a timeout. The ref didn't see it. Obviously, you know, it's the biggest caniches. We all know how those refs are when they're playing block venture. But so he ran, dove in the middle of the floor and was calling timeout. He was literally on the ground calling timeout during the middle <laughs> of the game. And I'm just looking. I'm like, wow, I've never seen that. <laughs> there you have it. The best guests that we've had so far in the first year. A lot of heavy hitters here with, with Woj and Nicholson. This is going to be a tough category. It's like two, yeah, two it current is. Bonnie's players are in this category, and it almost yeah. feels like afterthoughts. No offense to Oshuner Attaway, but we had there there was some uh, high heavy firepower here. There is. This is this is maybe I don't know if this is the toughest one. Lenardi was on. I would love to get him back on if we're on the bubble in you know three weeks or so. Get him back on for next year. But as far as I mean, Martucci came on and. He had such great stories. He was going into <laughs> so many different things. Um, he can just talk. You know, you can tell he's a play-by-play guy. He He's very entertaining. And then having Oshun on over the summer was really good with everything that was going on. He had some great insight, uh, talked about why he loves the school. Um, and, you know, working out, having an offseason during COVID. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people liked hearing from Attaway too, because no one really knew too much about him. So he gave a little insight into the person, Jalen Attaway, not the player. Um, so very tough category. I really don't know who I would vote for, to be quite honest. It's it's tough. You all have until Sunday to decide. But here we go with our final category, saving this one for last. I think this is the best picture, like at the Oscars <laughs> or album of the year. Like it's yeah. this is the this is the moment we've yes. all been waiting for. So let's go ahead. The last category. And now the Schmitty nominees for Best Cold Open, Episode 2, Keith Damra as Kala from Cheers. I've heard people asking if Duquesne is for real. I mean, what kind of stupid question is that? <laughs> when have we ever choked in a big game? <laughs> when have we ever gone like, I don't know, A&O in conference and completely pissed the bed? <laughs> what are y'all laughing at? Episode 4, the VCU Peppers practicing. Peppers, you have it all wrong. It's clap, 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 clap. Then wave your hands around like you're a pretty little sunflower. Look, we're probably going to have to play on Thursday up at the Barclays Center because we keep losing games. I mean, how did we lose to George Mason? We are the best band in the country. Episode 5, the Pepe Sylvia parody. There is... No, Rhode Island in the A-10. Heck, half the teams in this conference have been made up. This conference is a goddamn ghost town. Okay, Charlie, I'm going to have to stop you right there. Not only do all of these teams exist, but they've been losing to Dayton on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. Episode 19, the Paula Wagon Civil War. Leave no bottle in every mess behind. We're... we're... We're storming the capital. I, I don't think we're gonna make it in time. And accidentally driving to Philly really screwed the pooch. All right, guys, listen. Gleason, you're fucking hammered, but you're behind the wheel. Merman, you're a fucking lunatic. I hate you all, but we come together because we hate socialism. It's on our doorstep. We're gonna go down to DC. We're gonna zip tie Pelosi because otherwise these socialist bastards are gonna make all our kids watch CNN 19 in the classroom. Episode 20. VCU Tory interrupts inauguration. Teams named Rams and those not named Rams. No! Who the fuck is that? You don't want to go to war with the Rams 
because you already lost to the Rams. Oh God, it's Tori. Yeah, yeah, you lost to Rhode Island and, and you also lost to VCU. Are you nuts? We beat you by 16. Look at that, the final Schmitty category, best cold open. Wow. They get tougher and tougher. We were building up to the toughest one. This one is going to be, this one's going to be really hard. That I don't know so how people hard. are going to decide. That <laughs> I don't so know how to decide on any of them. Oh my God. Yeah. How Seriously, each one was like, you You said, oh, I'm thinking this one can't lose. And then the next one is just as good or better. I Just another impossible category. I think two or three of those, maybe only two were actually like somewhat scripted. The others were just kind of ad-libbed. So I don't know if you give a little more credence to the ones that we just kind of made up on the fly, but oh my goodness, the, the, the Obi Toppin Pepe Silvia was classic (laughs) and oh man, Schmidt's inauguration. That's the one that people were texting me like, oh my God, this is so funny. And then I think just word of mouth got around and based on people's reactions, I think that might win. We know Marjorie Tory Green also uh, liked that one. <laughs> yeah. And of course, tried to say, oh, the Dayton guys did it better, which I no. haven't heard. But eh, I don't. I'm uh, man. We got to we got to sweep them. Let's we got to sweep them. <laughs> yep, it's going to be tough. But once again, until Sunday, you can vote and then we're going to compile the winners and give you the Schmitty Award winners of 2020. Hit up a payphone so that she can't trace the calls back to you. Give her a call and say something along the lines of, I'm watching you, you bitch. You're gonna die tonight. (laughs) Oh, for Christ's sake, you're a complete sociopath. Don't interrupt. We would like to welcome our newest friends to SB Unfurled and friends. They have taken Atlantic 10 Twitter by storm this year. If LaSalle was solely based off their memeing abilities, they would probably be a top five team in the country. <laughs> the OnlyFans guys, the Goal of Standard podcast, make sure you check them out. They dropped one on Monday if you want to get the LaSalle perspective on Tuesday's game. Thank you both for joining us. Yeah, a pleasure, man. It feels good to be the chaos agents of the A-10 this season. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Tell, I love that, tell that to the hundred people who have been knocked out of my survival pool because of LaSalle. Whether they're picking <laughs> LaSalle against Fordham or St. Louis over LaSalle, this team has caused complete destruction across my survival pool. You officially ended my my pick with uh, by losing to St. Louis. Wow. I think Rich is in the survival pool. I am not. I did not participate. I'm, I'm poor. So Rich, Rich can vouch for uh, his decision-making so oh, yeah. far. Uh, I was doing well on that. Like, I had one in the first place and two in the second place. And then after this weekend, just one in the second place. Just Rhode Island, UMass, kill me. And then, you know, Fordham, people sell. A lot of red, thanks to the Explorers. Yeah. <laughs> we no. So let's get into how you guys finally started a LaSalle podcast. Because Gipper Grove, you were on last year during our A-10 tournament extravaganza. And that kind of gave you a little bit of the bug to actually start in a podcast for LaSalle. So how did you guys both you know, get involved with this. Yeah. So you actually, I mean, I give a lot of credit to you guys. You started, you really did. Like, I'm not kidding. When I I texted Rich after the pod with you guys last year, I was like, Hey, like that was pretty fun. Like, I think we could do this. I think we could bring out our own pod, like talk about LaSalle basketball because no one else is. We could fill that void (laughs) and be, you know, instead of being the butt of a joke, we can make the jokes and fight back. 
There you go. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you guys want to get right into this game or talk about these guys a little bit more. They have been the runaway rookie of the year on A10 Twitter. So if no one's totally. following them, definitely go follow them. Or maybe wait to make sure the Bonnies win before you follow <laughs> them because you don't want to see this on your timeline if we happen to lose. I just am picturing if we do lose to LaSalle, that explorer head is just going to be memed all over the place i like i like what you guys are doing with the pick the explorer head he's clearly he's clearly becoming a new kind of like yeah reaction meme face kind of thing <laughs> that's that was the goal i mean this this <laughs> world we're living in is basically just lasalle's at the bottom that's our whole life is is existing in the bottom but we're gonna we're gonna make a difference on the timeline so i i know i, I credit a lot of memes to just what i see on my own timeline and i just just make sure that they're dank Make sure that they're crazy, and I just, <laughs> I just send them out there. Shout out uh, Ghost McHistory. He's definitely a big supporter of the memes and, and has oh, yeah. supplied some explorer heads of his own. Oh, yeah, he totally helps out with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I am going to regret this or not. I sure hope not, but I am a lot more confident this game than I think Lil Bana X is only because it's in the Riley Center. I don't know if you guys can tell me your best road win of the last few years. Whatever the hell happens to us when we go to Gola Arena, I don't know if there's a spell cast over us or what. (laughs) We have had some horrifying losses. Some good, great teams have lost in Gola Arena. Um, The fact that you guys are in the Riley Center has me feeling a lot better. But what do you guys see as like – it is? Is this just me um, seeing only a small percentage of it, or is is it really a thing where like you guys play way better at home and then aren't as good on the road? There's literally something in the water there with the pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another great Gola joke! I love it. That's original. Um, no, that this. All right, first off, we need to start off with the drama that we seem to be ignoring. Uh, the clock operation was uh, <laughs> I, I can pull up the clip right now. A10 Talk has the has the video. I'll probably tweet it after this pod because that was egregious. There was about three seconds on the clock when they tossed that ball in the air. And they ran that clock. And that that was that, yeah. that I'm still salty over that. So so let's start off with that. Let's start off with okay. the home cooking at the right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Is that clock guy still employed? Is he whoa, still around? Whoa, whoa. Those are those are that was an A10 official. That was, not a, that was not a Bonaventure uh, associated person. Okay. Why are you assuming it's a guy? The clock woman has been a it's been a little kind old lady for like 35 years. <laughs> oh no. You're gonna Okay, you're gonna all right. Yeah, all she right. has glasses, her eyesight's not very good. She so makes little, cookies before every yeah, game. She's a little old lady. Oh, literal Ethel. cooking. Okay. Great. Ethel, yeah. How <laughs> dare you accuse Ethel of Rigging our games. <laughs> uh, all I'm saying is, you guys have the home court advantage, regardless of if there's fans in there or not. So, yes, we've had a few road wins this season, but the haters uh, among there are many. I'll say, like PD buckets. You know, he's kind of laid it out that we've played teams off of COVID pause. We've played teams with when they lost a guy or two for whatever reason. Like we just catch them at a bad time. Well, if we get this win, I feel like there's no excuses. If we win this game, we can brag all we want. There's no reasons to doubt us, and it would be a huge program-boosting win. But, Rich, Rich, what are your thoughts on the game? It's very interesting. Obviously, you know, LaSalle's coming to a loss, and obviously St. Bonaventure's coming off a loss to St. Louis. So both teams really kind of want to get that kind of shine off their back and get back on the winning ways. So it's going to be interesting, obviously. 
Um, but I don't really have a I I don't really have a good feeling about the game. I mean, I uh, mean not a bad feeling, but I, I think the Bonnets won by like four points. But um, I, I think Team Bonaventure is going to win this one in a close one. I already got the line set at LaSalle minus six because you know what's going to happen. LaSalle is going <laughs> to torpedo the season. I told you about it. The Dennis system, the LaSalle system, it's the perfect way to ruin the conference. <laughs> right, that's all you guys need. <laughs> we're sick individuals, man. We're, we're sick individuals. I feel like we've caused a lot of pain and anguish this season. It was a perfect storm, right? The first time we've ever had a LaSalle fan account built, and we're just causing all this madness and sadness and pissing people off and maybe this is a one big league. It really makes you think about things. Like I, I don't think we would have 630 followers in like three months if it wasn't for these crazy wins. I hope you get some more after this with some Bonnie's fans following you guys. But when it comes to LaSalle, I've actually watched quite a few LaSalle games just because um, you know, engrossed in the A-10. And it's really hard for me to pick somebody that really stands out on LaSalle other than maybe uh, Sheriff Kenny. But who do you guys look at as somebody – who's kind of your team leader when it comes to playing against the Bonnies? I feel like one of the guys who's kind of taken over besides Sharif Kenny is Jack Clark. He's a, um, I think a six, eight red shirt sophomore and he's been banged up for a while. I'm off like two ACLs, but I feel like he's the one, like he's a big part of the offense as well as Christian Ray. I feel like he's a guy who's not going to like light it up like on the stat sheet, but he's going to do a lot of things. Like I feel like, on your side, he kind of reminds me of, I feel like he's kind of a swarming knife, uh, Jalen Attaway. So I'm going to say those two guys are just a pretty big part of the team. How about you, Dennis? Yeah, uh, I, I see a lot of similarities between us and Bonaventure, honestly. Like, Ashun isn't, like, obviously his defensive presence is, is incredible. But on the offensive side, I feel like, I don't know, he, I, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he's not that much of a presence on the offensive side of the ball. Kind of like he's had a down season, that's for sure. Okay, I would I would agree that he has a down. He's had a down season. Okay, well that's kind of like Clifton, Clifton and Jared. We, we kind of have the same vibe here. Like they, the, our bigs are not going to like take over the game on the offensive side of the ball by any means. So this is going to be like mano imano, like guards versus guards. Like there's, I, I really don't know if I, I honestly think Osun and and Clifton will like cancel each other out because I feel like they're the same body type and they just. I don't know. We'll see. That's it's kind of like the X factor there because both sides of the team, both sides of the ball, like our guards are going to be the reason we win most likely or the reason we lose. You guys suffered through, I think, maybe the most uh, gut-wrenching transfers, mid-season transfers of the year. The Bonnies have had their share of mid-season transfers. How are you guys surviving without uh, Brandon Stone this year? It seemed like Brandon Stone like just crept further down in the, the depth chart. Like he didn't have that many minutes to begin with. And that explains why he left. Obviously that's, that's a loss in the front court. Like we definitely needed that depth. Uh, he could shoot the ball pretty well. Clifton can shoot a little bit, but not like Brandon. I feel like Brandon would shoot at a higher clip. And that yeah. was, that was total sarcasm. Sorry. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you wanted the real X's and O's here. I mean, I'm trying to deliver, you know, my thoughts on the matter. Brandon Stone. Total definitely, joke. Definitely not a factor. I mean, <laughs> there you go. There you go. If we want to talk, I mean, I'm trying to look at it through the lens of like what Ashley would say. And that's obviously not the coach speak. Yeah. Do, but um, <laughs> we're fans here. So, no, but you guys did lose. Um, was it High Kim? I think. Hakeem. Yeah. Hakeem. Hakeem. Okay. Yeah. Hakeem. He, yeah. I thought he was, I liked his game a little bit. Um, one thing I did notice, though, I wanted to ask you guys about 
the thing that does kind of worry me, I feel like you guys have played way more games than anyone that we've played. You guys, have you had any bad luck with COVID at all? Because I'm looking at your schedule and you guys have played 19 games already. Yeah, we've been very fortunate. You know, knock on wood, we have not paused at all. We haven't paused. We haven't paused, or we, I guess we haven't played anyone who like played someone that would pause us. I guess pause for a little bit or any kind of scare. We've been very, very fortunate. Yeah, I'm looking at your schedule right now, and it looks like other than Howard, UMass, and St. Louis earlier in the season. You guys haven't had any can- real cancellations or any real juggling around at the schedule. This is kind of one of the only few games yeah. you've actually had to even get moved up because this was originally supposed to be on the 24th, but it's now, of course, on the 9th. So when you're looking at this matchup, do you see anybody that can neutralize our big three of Kyle Lofton, Dom Welch, and Oshun? Uh, like for me, like the key to the game is I know I've listened to your podcast and it's very good, but you're got you don't have thank you i've listened to yours too you guys are awesome <laughs> thank you thank you but, just just pat, just patting each other on the yeah. back over here yeah. all over so yeah. much this incestual uh um a10 twitter stuff here it's, it's getting gross to the non-a10 twitter people <laughs> so you guys <laughs> messing with you <laughs> you guys have a really good starting five right you know lofton attaway holmes welch and oshun we don't have that type of starting five but we have, we're pretty deep team. You know, we're going to play, I think, eight guys, nine if, like, Scott Spencer is healthy. But for me, if we can kind of tire you guys out or get one or two of those guys in foul trouble, I feel like we have a shot. I know Lofton runs the show, and a lot of the games he's played, majority, if not all, you know, all of it, you know, 40 minutes. But I feel like that's the key to the game, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. And we got to come out strong at the start, like keeping it close into the half is extremely important because that gives Ash a lot of options. It, it's Every game is like a puzzle for him. and Or, I don't know, like an orchestra. He's like the maestro. So he has to like figure out who, who what parts are going to make this sound good. What will make this team run properly going into the second half. And so if there's a lot of contributors um, or just people that stand out and keep this game close in the first half, it'll make Ash's job much easier. And he'll attribute more minutes to the guys that are making a difference. But at the beginning of the game, it's a total crapshoot. I know that we've started, I think we've had the same starting five the past three games, which is great. But honestly, you just throw that out the window once the ball's tipped. Like you really cannot predict who's going to go off any night. Do you think you can take anything away from how St. Louis beat us as kind of a blueprint? Because I'm looking at your stats on Kempom and you guys are top hundred in three point shooting. So it looks like you've always reminded me, at least in the last few years of being kind of a, a little bit of a different version of Davidson. Yeah, I feel like if we get hot, like I feel like that's kind of a formula. I feel like Ashley Howard coming in as assistant from Villanova, he's kind of been a Villanova light. You know, I feel like the formula is if they play good defense and shoot around 40% three-point three point land, then they have a good shot of winning most games. One thing I also wanted to mention was Jared Kimbrough only played four minutes against Fordham, which was a head-scratcher. Like That made no sense to me. Uh, he he yeah. provides yeah. a great spark on the front court. So I like we need him badly. I, I really hope that he gets more minutes this this next game. I don't know if he's in the doghouse or what, but we got to get Jared more minutes. And you guys are only I was looking this up earlier. Only one of three teams in the entire country that doesn't have a player averaging double figures. The Bonnies, you said our starters are very good. That's true. All of them average double figures. So we have five guys averaging double figures. You guys don't have any. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. That just means maybe you're a little more deep. Maybe you share the ball more. Um, For people who haven't watched LaSalle, is that 
kind of how it is? You guys just have a ton of guys chipping in seven, eight points every game? I, I would say so, yeah. I feel like or some games you're going to get one guy, you know, 12, 15, but I feel like across the board you're going to see most of the time, I guess, evenly kind of distributed scoring unless, you know, Sharif, Kenny, and a guy who was in his last four games before the um, quarter game, averaging points, and Jack Clark, but like you said, it's definitely a, a collection of guys. Definitely. I'm looking at your stats on Kempom, too. You guys are 29th in the country in bench minutes, and we are 347th. So <laughs> our last. two teams couldn't be any more opposite in how our yeah. benches go. <laughs> We're last in the country in bench minutes. We are. Yep, we are We are DFL. Dead, <laughs> weeping, last. Yep. <laughs> Kudos to our seniors. Yeah, at least get ahead of VMI. VMI is second last. Oh, VMI. Okay. All right. Interestingly enough, Richmond and Syracuse are also in the uh, bottom five. Hmm. Do, do you think your bench – do you think um, a key also is to tire out the Bonnies? Because Saturday was the first time I saw us look sluggish. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely kind of formula. Like, I was watching a little bit of the game, and I think who was who played more, Vasquez or Shaw? Vasquez, because Jaron Holmes out with three fouls in the first half, so it probably was Vasquez. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Yeah, it was. He played 14 minutes. Because okay, I was like, that was the first time I've ever seen that guy play that much in one game. So I think one of the bit best parts of LaSalle, watching LaSalle from afar before you guys came along, was Dr. G. We haven't really heard Dr. G much on the call this year. He's been, I don't know, because of stadium and all the different assignments. He hasn't been calling as many games because of COVID or whatever. But we are huge fans of Dr. G. We're, we've tried to get him on before we had Got to try to do that again at some point. But what do you guys think of Dr. G? Because it seems like a lot of people like him, even though he, he did get fired. Yeah, that, that was a rough breakup. Like, I know that some people were in support of G. And honestly, it's whatever. I, I like to just kind of move past it and, you know, think about the future. But it's really nice to see him, like, land on his feet. I know that's the expression everyone uses. But it's really nice to see him, like, take on this new role. I had no idea he was going to become a play-by-play guy. That was never in my thoughts. He went to Rowan back where he used to coach and is, was like, I don't know, a part of the athletics department in some regard. He, he's, yeah. got a, he's got a doctorate in, in um, kinesis, kinesiology. Like, I thought he was going to go do some kinesiology. Like, I did not think he was going to be uh, a color commentator. And he's done an, an incredible job. He actually called the Richmond upset. So that was incredible. I, think, oh, that's right. I want to say that was the first LaSalle game that he covered. I could be wrong, but that was really cool. That was kind of like a full circle moment, like to see, uh, you know, a team that you once coached, like just talk about him and, and basically call the upset that we did not expect. So that was a really cool feeling. And with all the past, like I know a lot of people say like G was a guy that got a lot of transfers in and hoped that it worked. And we got lightning in a bottle for one of those years. The rest of the seasons were kind of, rough up and down you know but overall i'm it, i'm pleasantly surprised that he is on color commentary and and this means that now correct me if i'm wrong was he on nbc sports network yeah okay he, he normally is on stadium but he has been on nbc sports so does this too. mean he's gonna be like on USA Network, is he going to be doing like WWE Raw and like SmackDown <laughs> and stuff, or or is it, like I hope his contract gets renewed despite <laughs> the shut the shutting down of NBC Sports, uh, NBC XFL. 
That would be awesome to see like some kind of A10 influence on whether it's the Premier League or WWE or whatever properties. Maybe he'll be in like an episode of Monk or something. <laughs> I don't really know. Suits or what are the other shows on USA? Chris Lee knows best. There you go. <laughs> Dr. G knows best. <laughs> I got something else here I want to talk about. You know, you've listened to us before. You know that SB Unfurled and Friends doesn't always stick to sports. Sometimes you get a little political. I, I want some. I want you to address something here. Lieutenant Governor of F- Pennsylvania tweeted today: "Could I be the first candidate to ever run statewide in Pennsylvania who has sheets over Wawa as part of their official campaign platform?" He tweeted oh. this from Erie, and anybody associated with Bonas is definitely Team Sheets because there's a lot of sheets in mm-hmm. Western PA and Ohio. Where do you come down on this? Because I'm I'm guessing both of you obviously got a heavily lean Wawa. Yeah, absolutely. Rick will endorse yeah. Wawa. I'm sure as well. <laughs> I don't think Wawa got yeah. So John Fetterman's already, uh, he's not have your endorsement yet. <laughs> uh, not yet. Here's the thing, though. I will say that Sheets, when, when you compete, you know, you get a better product for the customers. You know, that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing here. So I'm fine with Fetterman tweeting up Sheets. That's fine with me because soon Wawa will have to up the ante and, I don't know, bring a political candidate in the ring and have them. Oh, well, honestly, probably Biden would. He would probably root for Wawa. So there, there you go. We got a president that supports <laughs> Wawa. He's a Flyers fan. Uh, Delaware went to University of Delaware, so he definitely knows about Wawa. So there you go. We just trumped Fetterman. President John Biden, J A W N Biden. <laughs> John. What's what cabinet position is Gritty going to get? That's a good question. Secretary of <laughs> well, the Interior. I want to know who's inside Gritty. <laughs> I love Gritty. Gritty has like one of the best Instagram games. He is hilarious. Okay, I'll relay the information. That's good. And actually, I didn't do this, but somebody at Anna's bought a gritty cardboard fan. So they're so gritty. Oh, is yeah. in our, our, our really? student section, or not in the student section? He's in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, he's oh. in the crowd. Gritty's everywhere. He's an icon. Like, there, there's nobody that has made more of an impact in in the world of mascots than Gritty. I really don't think anybody can touch him right now. I think that uh, you know, there's a there's like a bodyguard that's next to Gritty. Yeah, that account has more followers than like eighty percent of the NHL. So like. They're just absolutely <laughs> taking over the internet, and kudos to Gritty and the team. Gritty versus Philly Fanatic. Who wins that? Ooh, that's like old school versus new, new school. So if you were to take that poll right now, it'd probably be a Fanatic, but as people get I don't older... Know. I don't know. Gritty has quite the following. I mean, I'm a big uh, like Phillies fan. I'm a big Fanatic guy, but I don't know. Gritty's like, I'm on with a vengeance. Like, he's... I don't know. I don't know. He has a better social media presence. Gritty does. Yeah. Oh, totally. And Gritty reminds me of the Bonna fanatic in a little way, just because at first everybody absolutely hated Gritty. Everybody absolutely hated the Bonna fanatic. I think they like, weren't they like throwing stuff at him at at the games or something? Not the Bonna fanatic guy on Twitter, just the original mascot. Could have been, yeah. Early 90s. But I think if Bonas stuck with the Bonna fanatic, he could have been a gritty-like figure where he could just be so crazy and out there that it turns around and everybody actually loves him. <laughs> yeah, the brand is strong. Do you guys even have that? Does that even exist anymore? There's a Twitter account they, they we talk about. We talk with them like Bonna fanatic. Don't you guys have a wolf now? Yeah, that the Bonna fanatic is not associated with the score or anything. That's just some some Bonna fan. Oh. But he's awesome. But the actual mascot, yeah, it's it's uh, Riley the Wolf. He used to be an older mascot, um, but they just had a re- revamp of the mascot, like, what, three or four years ago, I think? Okay. Yeah, they got a new wolf. Yep. He, he went to the gym, because before the, the old Bono Wolf yeah. was kind of cuddly, this guy's, like, jacked. Yeah. Like, he, 
it's like Rodney the Ram from VCU, the Dayton Flyer, and then uh, and then the Bonner Wolf are probably like the three most jacked in the conference. Okay, I've done a lot of research on this. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen Duquesne's new mascot. They got a new arena. They announced the mascot. Didn't see the mascot in the arena. I wanted him to like rappel down like the Denver Nuggets mascot, like pass out. Oh yeah, the lion, right? <laughs> yes. The Babadook. The Babadook, yeah. yes. <laughs> Streaming on OnlyFans. Yeah. There you go. What if it's surpa- what if like it's better than gritty? What if what if the Babadook is like the Pittsburgh equivalent of gritty and there's like a huge rivalry? That'd be pretty great for the A10. That'd be wild. That would be. You guys in the A ten though are a little overshadowed by your fellow Philly mascot, the uh the St. Joe's Hawk. Whatever, dude. That <laughs> yeah. I, I'm over them. Like that, that's a cool concept that they like flap their wings all the time. Rich, you've you've been to a, a few games there and you, you've yeah, had terrible experiences. Yeah, I actually went to uh like St. Joseph's prep high school. So, you know, I was all about the Hawks in high school and then I went to the other side, LaSalle College. Wow. Ooh. At Bonna games back in the day, the the Bonna mascot would always put the visiting mascot in a coffin in front of all the fans, and they would play like the funeral music, and all the fans yeah. would cheer. It was I. That was when I was really younger. I got creeped out. That was back in like probably elementary school days, and then they did away with it, unfortunately. But it was awesome to see us put like the visiting mascot in a coffin. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, that was an old tradition, but they got rid of that one. Before we wrap up here, uh, any final thoughts on Tuesday's game? How you guys feeling coming to the number one overall team in the A10? No excuses. There's no excuses for this. Like, this is a true test. There's no reasons. You guys, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything about COVID. We are both at full strength. Hopefully Scott Spencer's playing. But uh, we should be at full strength. And if we can keep it close, I'll call it a moral victory. I'll still be firing off the memes. Win or lose, you got to. Yeah. This is a meme battle. This is like this is like Paul Rudd at, at, on the Hot Ones interview. Like, look at us. Like, you and me. <laughs> Bonaventure, Lil Bona X, and the Gola Standard just firing memes off. So that's what I'm looking forward to the most, the timeline, not necessarily the, the game. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate you both for joining us here on SB Unfurled and Friends. You're always welcome back on if we ever have a big game with LaSalle. Be sure to follow them on Twitter if you haven't already. It's it's the best follow on, on A ten Twitter. You guys are gonna be A ten MVPs. It's like it's like Dayton last year. It's a run it's a runaway. It's no contest. You guys are gonna crush it at OnlyFans on Twitter. Check out the Goal Standard podcast too. Go ahead and listen to them if you want to get a little more in depth coverage of LaSalle. So thank you both for joining us. Thanks guys. Why is there hand sanitizer all over the floor? What was in here? Oh! <gasps> Frank? Oh my god. What the hell did you do to yourself? I just wanna be pure. The OnlyFans guys have been just killing it this year on Twitter. They are, like I've told them, they're runaway. Twitter users of the year for A10 Twitter. Oh, yeah. They're just hilarious. Yep. And I'm glad glad we were able to get them involved in the podcast game because I think LaSalle, these, the smaller schools need some representation. Like, imagine if we didn't really have much for Bonas. That'd be, that'd be upsetting. Absolutely. And then for, you know, games like this where we can fill content with some meaningful discussion. Um, because, I mean, let's be honest, we're not sitting watching LaSalle every day like they are. They can help <laughs> us out. And when Bonas plays them, we can go help them out. It's, you know, it always works both ways with A10 Twitter, I feel like, and their, our podcast. So it's great to have another school represented. Absolutely. But we got to get to the second game of the week. 
VCU on Friday. Mm. I, we've been talking about this uh, privately for a while. We were hoping that the A10 would replace our one of our second games yeah. with a VCU road yep. game because that really will just boost both of our resumes. It'll right. help out VCU, which I know we hate them. We don't want to help them out, but it'll help them out and it'll help us out because we'll get a Q1 road game in. Yeah. What do you think we can do to capture that same magic we had in the second half? Because that second half against VCU, we said it a few weeks ago, that was one of the best halves I've ever seen us play. It'll be another adjustment. You know, Schmidt made a halftime adjustment that won us the game. It was masterful. But now you know Rhodes is going to go back and look at what we did to beat them, and he's not going to let us do that again. And VCU is going to make adjustments on our adjustments. And I I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and get another lead. This game does worry me. Um, I... uh, I don't know if we can that like Schmidt said and we were talking that may have been our best half of the season. We don't have to do that, but we can't get ourselves in a hole like we did. This team is so good at, you know, making teams make mistakes. If you're indecisive at all, they capitalize on it. You saw St. Louis get into the passing lanes and make us pay and VCU does that and more. Um so, you know, Lofton is going to be the guy that's just going to need to keep his composure. First of all, it got a little chippy in the Riley yep. center. It did get a little chippy. Um, but you know, he is so important in these games, especially because I mean, Holmes is a good ball hander, but we don't have a true backup point guard. So when VC was pressing for 35 minutes, uh, Lofton is going to be the guy. Don't look at how many points he scores his assist to turnover ratio, how he's handling the ball, running our offense is so important. I think also we are actually somewhat of a bad matchup for VCU because of how we are on defense. VCU yeah. is not very good at holding on to the ball, as we clearly saw in the second half, but even for the rest of the season. They're they're a very right. turnover-prone team. Even if they're winning, they're, they still turn the ball over quite a bit. So yep. it'll be key to keep that up. We were disrupting the passing lanes and everything in the second half beautifully. Got to make sure that happens again. Since they played us, They've gone three and zero. They killed Dayton right after us. Took out that frustration. Only held Dayton to forty three points. Nice. Yeah. Then they beat LaSalle, and then they had a huge clutch one point win at Roadie. They'll play Dayton as well on Tuesday before us at Dayton. So about to see if they're four and zero coming into that game, or if they drop one at Dayton. This is a huge game because before we did have the tiebreaker on them being one and zero, but now since we have the second game. We could go back and lose the tiebreaker, and they're only a half game behind us at six and two. Could yeah. be seven and two, and we're at seven and two right now. We'll see could what happens. I mean, they. I was worried that they were going to have a week off to prepare for us, and we were going to have to go maybe in two days. I figured we would get moved up to Tuesday, so we do have that extra day of rest. Luckily, they also put VCU uh, in Dayton on Tuesday, so a little bit of an even matchup there. Maybe we even have the advantage because we're at home uh, Tuesday and they're on the road. So, you know, a lot will be determined. My opinion on this will probably change after Tuesday night, depending on how we look against LaSalle and how they look against Dayton. But, uh, you know, Bones Highland has been really, really good. Um, We cannot let him go off from three, have to contain him a little bit. I think we are the more balanced team. Like you said, VCU, not very good at, taking care of the ball. Um, I think offensively we're a little better defensively. They're a little better, but um, you know, I I do think we're more balanced. We're more experienced. 
And I, man, I am worried, but I, I think it's going to be a close game. It'll be close. It'll be fun. And it'll be Friday 10. We had zero Friday 10 games and now we have two. Yeah. And unfortunately on Valentine's day, our hearts going to be broken because we won't play UMass. I was looking forward to that with, uh, all the UMass Twitter people. Um, sorry, everybody, to the, those of you who I was uh, rooting against in UMass because we needed Rody to beat UMass on Saturday to help our net ranking. But you know what, Rody, If you can't beat UMass without Trey Mitchell, I don't know what to tell you guys. But yeah. I think the VCU game will be a lot of fun. I'm so glad that it's happening. Even if we lose, I'm cool with the gamble of playing them twice because it will still help out our resume right. to play another Q1 game. Yeah. And it will be very helpful for them because, hey – they also want to get in the at-large conversation or stay in it too. Absolutely, and you know, I, I I was looking into how much this maybe affects our bid percentage. It still is a little bit early. I mean, we have over a month to go, and yeah. a, a lot's going to happen between now and then, probably. But you know, this game is more impactful right now than if St. Louis were to return a trip. This game is more impactful now than if Richmond was to return a trip. So. As far as most impactful game possible, best chance, best opportunity for us at VCU is top of the line because we already played at St. Louis. Um, so at VCU, this is the best opportunity I think that we will have the rest of the season other than maybe in the Atlanta tournament. And every year when the schedule comes out, you know, especially in the before times when it came out normally in August, I'd always be hoping that we played two games in a season against VCU and it hadn't happened yet. Yeah. But now it has two games against VCU. This will be so much fun. We got to get through LaSalle though. First, we all know that that's a landmine. So we got to be careful. Do not fall for the LaSalle system. Thank you all so much again for joining us here on SB unfurled and friends. Be sure to follow us on all your podcast platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, tune in Apple podcast. You know, the trail follow us also on Twitter at SB unfurled at little Bona X. Don't forget, also, check the website because by Sunday we will end the Schmitty Award voting and we will announce the winners on next week's podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. Let's do this. Two wins this week. Have a good day. It's the hour of